Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Cherishing Scripture Podcast, where we have uh, the great, the not late. I was about to say late. I'm so sorry. The great Pastor Bailey. The say late. hi to pa- Pastor Bailey, everybody. Hi, Pastor Bailey. Wow. Hi, and Pastor then uh, right beside him, we have none other mistake. than, um, <laughs> who do you look like? Someone with like a beard, beak-like nose. Um, Adam. I've been told it looked like Sid the Sloth from Ice Age. Oh, oh look. A dandelion. Must be, be the a last, last one in the season. season. That's right. <laughs> All right, and then right beside him, we have uh, Mr. Quiff hairstyle, Jeremy Boggs. Hello, Jeremy Boggs. Junior. Junior. Sorry. Soon to be father of Junior. the third. Whoa, hey, oh, no. whoa, what? No. We're not whoa. announcing it yet. Okay, sorry, we're not announcing this yet. Oh, what? Even, no, that, it's not even <laughs> happening. Nothing's happening. <laughs> and that's about it. Oh, Don't Lord. put false hope out there for people. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. What, Your parents oh, don't watch this Mom podcast. Dad, it's okay. Yeah. I think... I know my mom does. I don't know what my dad does. Sorry, Miss Box. He's, they're not my grandmother, grandmother yeah. watches this podcast. Sorry, um, Jeremy's Grandma. grandmother. She really does. She's, he's not actually having a kid yet. Hopefully, we'll no. find out. I have a puppy. Neither am I. That does not count. Y'all treat like a child. Neither am I. It still doesn't count. Wow. It's four months. Anyway, so today's topic, oh, I already forgot what it's called. What are we calling today's topic again? What's the subject? The openness of God. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. The openness of God. So, you professional speaking Can people. I, I just want to throw a couple of disclaimers here, okay, because this was my idea. This term, <laughs> this term was introduced to me less than five minutes ago. I've never heard this term before. Same. But um, he's telling me that the concepts that I wanted to discuss in this podcast is is commonly understood to be um, the openness of God. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the way this came up was in our last podcast, we were talking about, uh, we closed talking about the Apostle Paul losing people from his ministry. And he said, mm-hmm. at first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. And then Paul says this important statement. Brother Adam pointed this out on my screen here. He said, Paul said, I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. And his question was, can Paul, I don't know if I'm going to put it exactly what uh, you did, but can Paul change the destiny of someone by praying for them? So mm-hmm. that was not the intention okay. um, for what I was uh, implying there. What I guess I was implying was him praying God that it may not be laid to their charge was in earthly consequence. Right. So um, I believe that you can do things on earth that God will honor or dishonor on earth. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the realm of eternity, I, I'm not sure that that prayer is going to have much effect on on what happens in eternity. Gotcha. Um, on what his decisions he makes in eternity. But the decisions that he makes for humans on earth, I believe, I firmly believe, can be affected by prayer. And I believe that that was the intent of Paul when he said, I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Whoever, who is it being discussed here? Um, Alexander the coppersmith, right. who had did him much evil, <clears throat> um, and he greatly withstood Paul, or his words, yeah. withstood his words. And, and he also says, Demas and some others here. Right. He says, I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. I believe, and this is in contradiction to some of Paul's earlier statements when he, um, or I'm later, I'm not sure about the timeline here, when he refers to, I mean, he says that he wishes himself accursed for 
the sake of the Jews. I believe in this particular instance, he is asking God to not punish them here on earth for these evil deeds. I believe that God absolutely would. I believe that if you withstood his man, um, he would withstand you. Right, no, you so, Galatians chapter 6. I believe that that yeah. is the case. I don't believe he's always going to do that, and I believe that Paul was was praying that God would not do that. And, the, and, and what I brought up after Brother Adam and I were discussing that very briefly was that that resembles the, uh, the teachings of the openness of God, or what they call open theism, which is basically the idea that God occasionally may defer to the prayers of one of his children in response to an intention. So, for example, uh, and you actually mentioned this also earlier, for example, the case of Sodom and Gomorrah. God said, destroy it. I'm going to destroy that place. Mm -hmm. And then here comes Abraham praying to God and saying, wait, you have not traditionally destroyed the righteous with the wicked together. What if there are 50 righteous in that city? And God defers to Abraham. It appears that God defers to Abraham in that case and says, if there are 50 righteous, I'll spare the city for 50. And then the, the negotiation begins. What if there's 40? What if there's 30? What if there's only 20? And then Abraham, Abraham knows that Sodom and Gomorrah is thoroughly wicked. So he actually says, what if there's only 10? Will you spare the city for 10 righteous? And God agrees with that arrangement. And then when the angels go to Sodom and Gomorrah, you know the story, they couldn't even find 10. And so Sodom and Gomorrah was burned. And so, which was the, the, which was the intention the whole time. Even through the, the, um, yeah, God the, did what he intended to do regardless mm -hmm. of, yeah. That the, even through the journey of the wilderness though, if you watch how many times, like the children of Israel did something else and Moses fell on his face and pleaded with God yes. and God changed his mind. And yes, and you brought that up too, Adam. About God said, "I'm going to destroy this whole congregation." He did. He told Moses, "I'm going to start over with you." He told me he was going to do it. I believe he was going to do it. It was only because Moses asked him not to that he changed his mind. Here's an interesting yeah. verse. You ready? Exodus 32:14. I'm just going to read the verse, right? And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Okay, so yeah. let me go ahead and just throw this out there. The term evil yeah. is not the way that we use it. I know. Evil is doing something that is harm. Okay, that's the way it's referred to there. And so everybody's like, oh, the Lord thought evil. Yeah, I'm okay, for, but not evil the way you right. consider evil to be. Right, it means adversary. It literally, yeah, it says distress, injury, misery. That's what it's referring to. He is going to cause all these things to happen to his people. Well-deserved, by the way. God doesn't do anything to anybody that's not yeah. well-deserved. Sorrow, trouble. Exactly. He's going to bring those about to him. He thought to do that. So here's one of the things on the Cherishing Scripture podcast that we occasionally like to do, and that is to disagree <laughs> about whether uh, we're on the same page about certain things. And some of the, you know, some of the rules I think that go without saying on this is, um, uh, you know, we no we, name calling. There's no name calling. No low blows. All of those types of things, of course. But that Adam um, guy, man. Yeah, unless and, your name yeah. starts with a D. If you're going to talk bad about yeah. somebody, do it behind their back, right. not Don't on the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> on there. Um, and so, and, wait and until you're behind two, closed think, doors. You know, the ultimate rule is that if you know, if you can show me scripture or show me precedent, why I may be wrong, 
I'm obligated to take a second look at something that I believe. Always. This should be a standard rule for any believer. If you believe in what the Bible says, you are not going to be right on every single thing. And you have to defer to what the Scripture says. So if somebody comes to you with Scripture, put your ego aside, listen to it, and consider it very carefully. Yeah. So some people would be, and when I say some people, I'll specify, all right, hyper-Calvinists would be appalled at the possibility or the notion that God's mind could change about a subject regardless of man's prayers. Um, and they have their reasons for that. And so I know, I know Dawson, you have, uh, you spent some time studying the, the teachings of Calvinism, five points and even fatalism and the differences that exist there with that. And so you may want to chime in on this too. You're looking really petrified right now, but you may want to chime in on this too. But, uh, <coughs> yeah. Real quick, real quick. Wait. Yeah. List the five points. Yeah. What are the five? <laughs> Let's hear them. Are we talking about tulip? Tulip. Tulip. Yeah. Man. Oh my Come goodness. On. Okay. So there was a total depravity. Mm-hmm. Un- unconditional Un- election. love. Unconditional election. Unconditional election. Yeah. Oh man. What was the L? Limited atonement. Yeah. Irresistible grace. Irresistible grace. And OP. Uh, Perseverance of the saints. P- that's what I was. That was my. That was it. No, it was not. I don't even. <laughs> I was going to say pancakes and hot dogs. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So those are the basics of Calvinism, right? Right. I mean, those are the. Uh, that's kind of the. Really, the most elementary. The vague version. And Calvinists really don't like the tulip either. They're, they're not they don't think it says enough uh, I think it's an exaggeration um, I've been accused believe it or not I've been accused of being a Calvinist that does not surprise me at all you've been accused of being a lot of things I've been accused of a lot of things <laughs> um, I, Calvinist is one of them in, in chapel um, I decided to go through Genesis and at the very beginning of Genesis it says in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and I asked them what does it mean in the beginning the beginning of what and I got all sorts of answers but the real answer is in the beginning is the beginning of time. God exists outside of time. That's right. Our mind cannot handle that. He created can, time. He created it. He exists outside he of it. And, and guess what? Add, he doesn't have to abide Jesus. the laws of time. He could also add, because this be is going to help my argument later, he created time for human benefit. Right. He doesn't need it. That is going to help he, my... I don't know how that's going to help your argument, preacher, because that helps mine. He couldn't He couldn't be God if he, he was... Um, inside time he he, that's exactly right he is not bound by our laws so in the beginning god created the heaven space and the earth matter all of those things were created in the very first verse time because he exists outside of it we cannot you can make as many movies and books about time travel as you want there is no human that can exist outside of time we are bound by it so thinking yeah, outside of time is beyond your pay grade that's what i consider it you're thinking above your pay grade this is the problem i have with calvinism you're thinking above your pay grade True. you don't get to exist outside of time you don't get to get to understand how somebody does things outside of time because you are in it yep and you need to worry about what happens inside time that's true that's all true and we only have occasional glimpses that are given to us in scripture of god's viewpoint on these matters and one of them so happens to be this openness of god theology this this uh open theism teaching um there are occasions 
numerous occasions in the Bible. We we cited um, Moses, Moses and the children Abraham. of Israel, Abraham with uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Let's bring up Balaam. Um, Balaam is another excellent choice. Balaam is probably my strongest case. Um, I believe wholeheartedly that if Balaam had cursed Israel, that God would have cursed them because of what Balaam said. The reason I believe that is because the great lengths that God took to stop him from doing that. In addition to that, let's look at the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel, God said that these people would accomplish anything they put their mind to do. These are, I don't know, I'm not trying to be humanistic about this or anything, right, but right. I believe that there is a spiritual allowance for the actions of humans and we're in realm in the in the realm of the metaphysical. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. So Balaam yes, is probably my strongest example, yeah. uh, I think. And there's other occasions where God, uh, and I'm going to use the word here in its strictest sense, apparently. There are other occasions where it is apparently Apparent to us, at least, that God did things that He later reversed or later regretted. For example, the making of Saul king. Uh, in um, early it is in, repented me that I have made that him I've king. Made That's Saul what He king. said. Yeah. I like that and word so, though. Yeah. It means breathe strongly. Yeah, it means to sigh. Yeah. Yeah. So God is not. Let's make that. Let's go ahead and tackle that while we're here. It, God's not repenting of any sin. Right. I don't think there's anybody at this table that would suggest that God no did the wrong thing. Right. That's not what repenting means. No. No. It just it's what Jeremy translated in the Hebrew there. It just it means to sigh or to breathe deeply. Uh, it troubles God. I think God is is deeply anguished when He sees human behavior, uh, especially when it's not in accordance to to his plan. Hyper-Calvinists, however, would say that even the sins of man in some way or another accomplish the purposes of God. I can understand uh, that statement. I have a hard time uh, entirely embracing that statement. Uh, If there is a poster child for that, it would be Judas Iscariot. There had to be a Judas. Hmm. That's what um, I was thinking. Yeah, there had what? to be a Judas. And yeah. I think there had to be a Pharaoh. I sure do. That is a good point, too, because it yeah. says that God hardened his heart. God hardened his heart. So if you take the occasion that Brother Jeremy down there cited about uh, it rep- uh, that uh, God repented um, in the case of, uh, was it Exodus 32, where they've made the golden calf and God's going to destroy the congregation. It's repented me that I've called these people out of Egypt and so on and so forth. There is an openness theology to that discussion that people try to impose on that. And I, um, I recall a number of years ago preaching through those passages and, and just getting right up to the brink of open theology, right up to the brink of the openness of God teachings. But then I had to pull myself back and take a look at God. And when I pulled back, I said to myself, wait a minute. He said, I am the Lord and I change not. And so the reason I used the word apparent a couple of moments ago, my contention would be, and I don't want to be contentious when I say this, but my contention would be, I think on occasion, God, for human purposes, allows us to think that he may be acquiescing, if you could use that term, that he may be acquiescing to human prayer or human 
recommendation or uh, or the imposi- imposition of some human will. He may be caving into that or giving into that, but it may be that he is actually appearing to do that for the purpose of inciting prayer to keep us connected to him in prayer. And so I see an argument for that. What a faithless thing to say. <laughs> I'm being contentious. I understand. I, 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 I see the, uh, the benefit of the openness of God, and i got to tell you right out of the gate here, I struggle um, with, you know, with having to come to the conclusion that prayer doesn't change God. I, I, that, that's a hard thing for me to have to say. And I'm going to keep on building on top of that. Um, as much as I can till it falls over, I guess. Um, I'm going to use kind of a weird example. I want to I want to continue using biblical examples because I think there are just tons of them. I brought up Hezekiah about how um, God changed the course of action because of Hezekiah's prayer. Yeah. Um, and I want to bring up um, I, I can't remember who it was, but but God gave to one of his. Um, one of the, the Jesus gave one of his disciples the keys to heaven or hell. Yeah, the Apostle Peter. The Apostle Peter. Okay, I mean, we have to sit down and think about what that's supposed to mean exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what are the implications of that? And I don't fully understand what the implications of that are. Yeah. Can I add another one in there? What about when Jesus <clears throat> prayed that if it was God's will to let this cup pass from me? Yeah. Thank you, Jeremy. Okay. Yes, there are plenty, but let's let's make it a more real example. Let's use a real example. Let's use Pastor Bailey here. Yeah, we lost our video here, by the way. We're getting that back. I'm in the process sure. of fixing it. Go ahead. Technical difficulties. Wow, what a tech guy. We still have audio, though. Go ahead, brother. Pastor Bailey, over the course of your life, you've made a lot of decisions. Mm. Percentage-wise, can you roughly estimate how many of those decisions were made in God's will? Oh, my. Mm. In, in 100% accordance with God's will? 100% perfect accordance with what he would have you to do. Yeah, it's not. It's it's definitely not 100%. I couldn't put a number on it. No, let's be um, rough about it. Because because no one's 100%. That's impossible. No. The Apostle Paul couldn't have been. Yeah. And we, we actually have scripture probably to, to cut back that up. Not to, he means him saying he's the chiefest of sinners. He wasn't saying past tense. Okay? He is the chiefest of sinners. Right. Not was. All right. Um, so, Brad Bailey, let's all figure out how much of a sinner you are. Ooh, here we go. <laughs> Percentage wise. I want to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> Do we have video back? Because my face. Is weird. <laughs> you. I mean, the thing there is, is that you're go. you're you're going to risk being arrogant in front of this group and in front of anybody who ever says it to be anywhere close to that number. Yeah. I mean, anywhere close yeah, to at it. At the risk of being a, of sounding like a Pharisee, you know, I want to say that. Uh, uh, it's it's you know I, I don't I don't want to over hit, hit a number. It's like I, I would say <laughs> that probably I think I would be you know really favorable to myself if I six if I said sixty or sixty five percent of the time I got sixty five percent and God is just going to overlook the other thirty five and allow for you to continue on His path just because it's sixty five percent in His will. Yeah. See the thing is. Um, I, I don't know what my number is, but I can tell you that I would be generous to give it two digits. Hmm. Yeah. And the and what I have come to understand is because God exists outside of time. Yeah. We exist inside time. God looks at our life not one step at a time. 
How could he? He exists yeah, outside of time. He looks at you as a whole person. Right. I came to this realization when I was just a teenager because I was so degenerate and evil and God forsaken in my actions as a believer that I couldn't understand why God continued to let me exist. Mm. And what the conclusion I came to was that God does not look at me right now. He looks at who Adam is in his entirety, who Adam is going to be, who Adam was, all at the same exact time. Yeah, we're looking at here right now, but we can't see the bigger picture. He exists outside of time. Now, of course, we're doing exactly what I said not to do. We're thinking outside of my pay grade right now (laughs) because I don't exist outside of time, so how can I know how God sees things? These are all assumptions, but, but I'm building upon the assumptions. It may not be wise, but... When it comes to God's allowance for us, how could he allow people to continue to do things outside of his will? He has to do that yeah. in order for us to be in his will at all. He has to have allowed for us to do things outside of his will. Right. So then then the question becomes, well, what is his will? Is it as strict and as rigid as we often make it out to be? Because I'm not sure that it is. I think there's certain aspects of it as it is. For instance, Abraham, if you are going to be in my will, you are going to leave the the Chaldeans. Mm. There's no getting around that. You're leaving them. That's strict. Okay? And you're going to go to the land in which I tell you. But where in Canaan? He can go anywhere in Canaan. He just needs to be in that land. He can go, you know, next to the Philistines. He can go next to the the whatever else, Moabites, or anywhere. I'm sure the Moabites, they didn't exist at that time, actually. I don't know, but there's a lot of places in Canaan he could have gone. And he did go to many different places. Mm-hmm. There is certain parts of God's will that is strict. There are certain right. parts that are not. So, Jonah, you're going to go to Nineveh. Okay, well, which which precinct in Nineveh do I go to? Was it that important? For him to know which precinct he goes to. So there's some allowance. There has to be some wiggle room because we are human, not because God changes. In my in my mind, this does not challenge God's um and that's unchangeable unchangeableness. Yeah, and, that, and that's is where, that the word. That's where I would be extremely careful to caution someone not to cross the line over into full on open theism, because open theism is the teaching that God um, is could potentially have made a mistake? Um, that God could have potentially um, lost sight of some future circumstance, and so th- this is why, uh, when it comes to the teachings of open theism, I'm much much more comfortable uh, with the with the vein of thought that says that God even sees our future mistakes and outside of time and space he is able to incorporate that into uh, into his will from eternity past because he knows the entire outcome and so I think on that we may be saying something similar to the same thing yeah. it is pretty similar I guess I'm looking at so again now we're thinking outside pay grade to go outside of it because his will for us has allowed for the mistakes that we are going to make now it's it's like okay well god knows what i'm going to do in the future so this right. is okay for me to do instead of um mm. i understand that i am human yeah. and i am going to abide as best i possibly can in my power and in the power of jesus to do what is right mm-hmm. right and god will lead me if it is necessary to be led at that time 
that's kind of, I know that that's not as specific as I want it to be, but I, but I use examples of the people who every single step of their life wasn't guided. Uh, for instance, Jacob, right? When he, his mom told him to go to Padanaram to find Rachel, right? Not God. It was Rebecca who told him to do that. And he went, but then when he was on his way, what happened? He, he saw he had this dream of the angels going up and down this ladder. Yeah. You know, it was sort of assuring to him that he is going the direction that he's supposed to be going. When he was leaving, um, uh, when he left Laban, I think God told him to leave, I'm pretty sure. And then when he left, God told Laban, hey, you better not speak evil to him. Yeah. So it's, it's I think there's a fine line between the decisions that God is making for you that you are obeying and the decisions that you are making and God is honoring. Yeah. And I don't think mm. it's all of one or all of the other. Yeah. I, I think it's both. That's kind of where I am with it. I, I can't see it being all of one or all of the other. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, like another another example I think about in the Bible would be Jacob and his mother. The fact that God promised him that he would have that birthright. And he uses his own plan to go dress up, smell, it was Rebecca's feel plan, like yeah. Esau. To convince Isaac that it's Esau. You can go back even further. Abraham and and Sarah, God told them they were going to have a kid, but they did it their own way. He right. Kept, Abraham kept trying to do it his own way. Hagar. So that Abraham particular instance of of Hagar, I, I believe that there wasn't good that came from that. Mm-hmm. There was only evil that came from that decision. Rebecca, in my opinion, excuse you, is the first example of a virtuous woman in Scripture. It's Rebecca. And I believe even her deception of her husband was virtuous. And this is probably a hot take. We'll Ooh, see. Here we go. Oh, yeah, even her deceiving hot. her husband was. This. And here's the reason why. I think Isaac was going against what God said by continuing to allow Esau to have the right of the firstborn, which and it cl- includes his blessing. He gave up his, his um, right as firstborn to all of um, Isaac's belongings already. He gave that up. But the blessing that Isaac was going to give was, in Isaac's way, the covenant. Now, this is kind of stretching. I understand that it's stretching because God decides who the covenant belongs to, not man. But I believe Isaac wanted the covenant to belong to Esau and not to Jacob because he didn't, he didn't like Jacob. Intentions. Jacob was not like him. Right. Jacob was like mom. Yeah. Esau was like him Esau and he appreciates out, smells you smell like a field that the Lord is blessed that's what he's saying hunting, he loves Esau he's the manly man that was his God they had favorites right and Rebecca knowing what's right knowing that Jacob is going to be the one that's going to covenant's going to belong to stepped in and made it happen mm. against her husband Ooh. this is a hot take all right and I am not anybody who knows me know that I'm not for um you know insubordination in a marriage not at all However, it's better to obey God rather than man. Though. Yes, mm. it is. It is honoring to your husband to to make it possible to, against his own will for him to do the right thing. Yeah, that's why she's and there. What Isaac did under deception was the right thing, and he did it under the deception of his wife and his son. Yeah. Can I say something you're never going to believe? I agree 100 percent with everything you just said. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> That's on recording, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, we got it. Clip it. Clip it. That, that <laughs> Someone actually agreed with Adam Caps. Wow. Yeah, I mean, if you look, if you look in 
and, and I'm, this may be going far afield of our original discussion, discussion here about the openness of God theology, but uh, if you look at, uh, there's actually a book in my library called Mothers of Promise, and uh, I was turned on to that book, um, quite frankly, because it was written by a woman about women. And when I read that book, I was astonished at how much I agreed with what you're saying, Adam, uh, which is that if you look at a large portion of those who are bearers of the covenant in the Old Testament, if it had not been for the women, the covenant would have been scuttled and destroyed. And that was the case with Jacob and Esau because God said, I am going to exalt the younger over the elder. Mm-hmm. Isaac could not embrace that. Isaac did not want that, especially when Esau was born and he saw uh, that Esau was more like him and more palatable to him. So he mm-hmm. wanted Esau to have that that blessing. And um, Jacob and, lived in the tents. He was probably right. significantly more effeminate than, uh, more than Esau boy. was. He was a mama's boy, Seems exactly. Away from the passage, and so nothing wrong. Esau with loved boy. to do everything that Isaac loved to do. So they did stuff together all the time. Jacob wasn't there, probably doing all the hunting with him and stuff. No, he, he had a not. lot of. He, he probably had not. a lot of you know quality time was, with Esau, not so much with Jacob. It was Rebecca who came forward and said, "My husband is doing the wrong thing. I have to honor God." Yeah. by um, sabotaging the situation. Uh, <laughs> by the way, that's not the only time. Do you remember that God came down in judgment against Abraham because he failed to circumcise his son? And it was his wife who stepped up and did what was supposed to be done. And there is yet another Abraham occasion, yes, the Abrahamic uh, sign of circumcision. And there was yet another occasion in which uh, that was yet another occasion in which God had to, uh, in which we have to be very thankful that uh, that a woman stepped up and did the right thing when the husband was doing the wrong thing. So well, he didn't he didn't circumcise Isaac or Ishmael. Uh, it was um, oh goodness now you put me on the spot. You, what you, was that you're not passage? talking about you're not talking about Moses, are you? It might have been Moses. I might, I might have misspoken. Okay, so, so Moses, yeah, when when she called him a bloody man, right. That's it. That yes, was Moses. It was uh, Zipporah, so his wife. If it had not, yeah, Zipporah. So if it had not been for his wife stepping up and doing the right thing, there again, the covenant could have been uh, jeopardized. And so there's occasions in the Old Testament where those types of things are, are, um, you know, are not just occasional, but they're prevalent. You know, there's some strong, strong indicators there. So, um, so then we must be extra, extra careful with open theism then, because you will eventually start creating God into your own image. Mm. That's the problem. That's the problem. Mm. And that is a that is a, a an issue wherein Because Isaac felt like he was doing right. Right. Correct. Mm. And that and that's where I have to step in and say this would be one of the non negotiables. If you're an openness of God theorist, uh, you know, there's a certain amount of, of camaraderie and a certain amount of brotherhood we can claim. But there are the non-negotiables where, uh, if you're insisting that um, you know we can persuade God that He's done the wrong thing and He needs to reverse His decision, I think I think we've stepped outside of the parameters of Scripture, and we don't have that right. And on occasion, 
it may even appear that way. But my contention, again, with that is that God sometimes, to, sometimes he does operate for human purposes within the parameters of time and space limitations for our benefit. So that, so that we can get a grasp of who he is and what right. he is doing. Jesus so, uh, so I want to... Jesus, that's exactly literally right. the he, what he did entire lifetime yes. of Jesus. Yeah. yeah, yes, the incarnation of Christ. So I want to I want to narrow this down to a little bit of a point here. Okay, I don't think that you are going to get much of an answer if you pray whether or not I should eat at Taco Bell or McDonald's. Yeah. However, I think you will. I think it's pretty obvious that you shouldn't be eating at Hooters. Right. So, okay, so we have we have like it is not God's will for you to be eating at Hooters. Like I can I can pretty definitively say that that's not okay for <laughs> you to so. do. Yeah. However, you <laughs> know, Jeremy Jeremy spoke up, so I'm here a we go. Man now. So, <laughs> just kidding. So if Jeremy says, "Well, I think it's God God's will for me to eat at McDonald's." I'm going to question that. That's that's kind of where I'm at, and I know that that's a very silly example, but there are it happens so so often, mm. and I think it's because I I, am, I don't know if I'm going to put terms on I hate putting terms on ideologies that I believe because I honestly I read the Bible and I try to understand what it says and um and derive doctrine from it and not just what people tell me mm. or not at all what people tell right. me realistically. Um, I I am questioning that. However, I do not question the things that the Bible teaches. Right. Sure. Right. So on those, on the things that it teaches, I'm not wavering on those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not open. It's not open for discussion. It's not open for debate. What it says is what I do. Yeah. Outside of the things that it says, now we're getting into adiaphora. Right. Yeah. That's where you start losing, using that term so loosely and incorrectly. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah. to a so, degree, I guess I am somewhat, um, a, proponent of openness yeah i don't know i don't know i think you can i think uh in the cases that we've looked at in the biblical from the biblical standpoint of him changing his mind about certain things i think he still can do that but he already but he already has the knowledge of what's going to be that outcome and he already knew he was going to do that well now we're thinking above our pay grade though i'm I'm saying this i'm saying he can do whatever he wants Thank but you. Saying, he I'm is not changing adding. by doing something different. Right. He's not a different person. Right. Because he chose to save the um, the uh, the Israelites did not make him a different person. He was merciful before that and after that. Right. He was also um, he a, that. a god of authority and a god of destruction upon those who do evil before and after that. Right. Yeah, but is it he didn't change. Is it necessarily thinking out of our pagan or is it just stating that he knows everything that there is to know? Well, you know, I mean, here, here's what Dr. Rainwater told me. He said, look, you need to admit this from time to time. He's still God and you're still not. Mm. And when we start trying to, you know, when, when we start allowing those two parallels to start crossing each other and we start thinking he's not as much God as I thought or I'm more God than I thought, we've got a major problem. And so those never cross. Never. Right. But my uh, contention in this would be, that uh, you know, once again, looking at it from the from the viewpoint that I am the Lord and I change not, and and all of the other hard and fast statements that are made in Scripture, um, you know, my contention with this would be is that there may be the appearance of God permitting a change or God allowing a change, but I think ultimately in the in the big picture scheme of things, I think God has purposes and God has wills that are in, God has a will that is immutable and unchangeable. 
and um, and when we pray, um, when we are asking, you know, why do we pray? If that's true, why are we even praying? And that's the age-old question. Um, you know, if we're praying, Lord, this may go into Dawson's wheelhouse here. You know, if you've got a person, if you're a hyper-Calvinist and you believe a person has been divinely appointed under wrath and they're reprobate and they cannot be saved under any circumstances, even if they beg and plead if God has foreknown and elected them to, to, to wrath, um, they cannot be saved, then why are we praying for them? And, and my contention with some of those situations is um, prayer does not change God. Prayer changes me. I think prayer assimilates us to the heavenly culture. Uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I, my, my issue with um, attempting to understand how um, God's will works for us is that then we have to start questioning the things that God does. Yeah. Okay, because if we have, well, God has this plan all along, okay, well, then it must have been part of God's plan for Eve to sin and Adam to sin. And that's where... I don't think it's part of his plan, but I think he knew it. That's where the battle of Calvinism enters the picture. He knew it. He did know it. He knew the, it. The hyper, the rot rib hyper Calvinist believes that God didn't just know it, he caused it. This is the problem that I have with with that. I, I guess that's you know the, that's you and I don't have to. Then, right? It is thinking because about. A, yes. I think there's a difference between saying that he knows everything, and and thinking outside your pay grade. What do you mean? So so back to my example of of um, okay. So you can ask God to change his mind. We we looked mm-hmm. at biblical examples of that. He knew already that that was going to happen and what mm-hmm. the outcome was going to be. That's not thinking outside the pay grade. That's that's just saying that he already knew. I think it's thinking above your pay grade because we don't exist outside of time. And so when we interact with God, we have to interact from inside of time. Right. Because if you start thinking that way, then it's like, oh, well, God already knows what he's going to do. So why am I bothering to ask at all? It's like Abraham could have been like, well, you know, God might destroy it anyway or he might not. That's up to him. But he didn't. He stepped in and he had prayer and maybe maybe it is God showing us that our prayer means something to him but I think it actually does not just like I'm going to show you that you should pray because sometimes I change I think that our prayer is meaningful to him and that it does inspire change in his actions those are the very words that open theology people say is they say is prayer meaningful is prayer productive is prayer effective and if you are a hard and fast fatalist um, you have to ask yourself, why do I even, hmm. why do I even bother with? Prayer? I have had those thoughts. I cannot accept that to be reality, no. and so it pushed me in a different direction. The not not willing to accept that as a reality, it pushed me because I know that prayer is important. I know that prayer it is, is real. And my contention it, on prayer, on on the notion, of, is prayer meaningful and is prayer effective and is is prayer productive? Um, it, the most productive version and form of prayer is when we are assimilating to his will in prayer and when we're yielding to his will and we're saying like Jesus, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And you get a yes every time on that. Uh, but when we are trying to twist his arm and say, no, no, God, you can't, you can't destroy Tampa. No, no, God, you can't, um, you know, you can't uh, destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, whatever the case can't? was. Cannot, Is right? that the way these people are? addressing him 
hypothetically, the hypothetical person. Well, there that are you're, people. There are people who are in the. Oh, this is where I, I want to admonish you to, to, you know, to, and you're new to the term, and so you got to be careful with this term because people who embrace the openness of God are people like Kenneth Copeland. People who embrace the openness of God are charismatic people who basically mm. say, "I am going to command God." to give me my heavenly blessing today and I'm going to sow my seeds of blessing and I'm commanding God and God is my servant, I'm not his. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the extreme of it. Now what you're talking about is is a, a center line that is based on your, uh, you know, with scriptural input, your, uh, your understanding of it, but you need to know also that there is a ditch in openness theology. And openness theology, in in its worst format, is uh, hmm. is the wild-eyed uh, Jesse Duplantis, Kenneth Copeland, and others who basically say, "I am, you know, the God of my domain." Name and it and claim it. The name it, claim it, right? Yeah, because yep. the reality is Blatt you don't know the outcome. Right. <clears throat> so there's where you have to be I'd, careful, and you, and you may not have known some of those names were included in that argument, but that's what gave me pause is mm. when I started looking at it and I saw it almost identical to the way that you see it. And then I said, okay, so let's put this through the filter and see what comes out on the other side. Mm-hmm. And what ultimately came out on the other side was Kenneth Copeland. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> wait a minute, you know, pull it back a notch here. And I had, so, to, second, I had to take a second look at it. I suppose, obviously, I don't agree with the way that Kenneth Copeland, um, you know, feels about prayer at all. Um I, I, I guess where where I am, as you so kindly put it, generously put it, center line, yeah, is that I do not expect God to do the things that I ask Him to do, and neither did Abraham, by the way. Right. When he went to God, it was very, very humbly, yeah, and entreating Him very cautiously as a person you on see, his that's hands what and his I knees. Love about you, there, Adam. That, that I agree. I'm not. I want you. To, I want you. To, let's make this clear, okay? I'm not putting you in the same categories as those other people because this is just a calling new me teaching. Kenneth Copeland, man. Mm. I'm Creflo Dollar. One, yeah. <laughs> I, I tell you one that got me, okay? If you want me to to expose a vulnerability here about openness theology, the one that got me was David, because there's no doubt David had committed an egregious sin mm. with Bathsheba, and when God smote that. Baby, and he prayed about it. Don't look at me. <laughs> they came to David, and they said, "What are you praying for?" I love it. I totally forgot of that example. And David said, "Who can tell? Who can tell? I'm gonna pray. I know God said He's gonna smite my baby, but who can tell? The God of mercy may show grace, and He may yield to my prayers on this. But He didn't. But He didn't. And yeah. that's my point. When it came to Sodom and Gomorrah." Would God have spared for ten people? He would have. He would have. But ultimately, his will was done. His first stated intended will was done. Regardless, it wasn't with Hezekiah though. Um, so, right. so what I'm saying is that if I go to entreat God, and um, I understand that what I am saying, He may change what He is doing because of what I am saying. Yep. It changes the way that I pray. Exactly. And I agree a thousand percent with what you just said based on this statement. I have no idea what he's going to do. That was what David said, right? That's what David, David knew said. God better than anybody. And he's saying, 
who knows? Maybe he won't. Right. And you know what? After the baby died, what did he do? Right. He washed himself, he ate he bread, and he went on with his life. Said, and he said, the Lord's will has been done. And he embraced Living the will of God and said, I don't necessarily have to like it, mm-hmm. but this is what God said he was going to do in the okay, beginning. Okay, so, so I'm still st- stuck on the thinking outside your pay grade thing. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's the thinking We're going to split this into like grade, three right? different podcasts. You guys know that, right? Pretending, it's a good to, one, though. pretending right. to know what God's going to do. That's yes. outside your pay grade. But not to say that he already knows the outcome. That's not thinking outside your pay grade. To let that affect your action right. is thinking outside your pay grade. To say that God already knows and let that understanding of God knows what's going to happen to affect your decisions That's is excellent. thinking outside your pay grade. But it's not going to stop me from changing how I pray. or about. No. It's not going to stop me from still trying to ask him even though he already knows what the answer is going to be. Right. To be honest, I, I hope not. It does for a lot it of people, will for though. People, I wouldn't doubt that one bit. So my my contention with so with talking be. about it is the more it's talked about it, the more it will affect how people pray and how right. people do. Which is why, even though God does exist outside of time and right. He does know everything that is going to happen, right. that's not the way that He shows Himself to us yeah. because we can't understand that. We can't even grasp that in our minds. Right. Yeah. And Mary and Joseph had this same battle. Uh, I think the word shall, S-H-A-L-L, is a a really key term here. It just came to mind that we're talking about an imperative when God says it shall be or it shall come to pass. So the first occasions then in the New Testament is the story of Mary and Joseph, chapter 1, verse 21 of Matthew. She shall bring forth a son, and thou uh, shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. That's irreversible. Right. So if Mary had come along and said, well, wait a minute, I had dreams and ambitions that are outside of what you're asking here, and if she began to potentially, and I'm I'm speculating, of course, here, but if she began to potentially say, wait a minute, Lord, maybe you should look for another. Maybe you should find someone else to be the vessel. Uh, But when the shall has been uttered, it's already final. It's done. Here's where I love to bring out Jonah. My old boy Jonah. My okay. Old boy. My boy Jonah. You know why I call him my boy? Because I identify with Jonah. Me and him, we're we're two alike. And I don't like that we're so alike. But I listen, I I, I kind of vibe with, with Jonah. He just he just reminds me of me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Jonah said no, didn't he? Just right. He straight up told God, No. I'm not going. I'm leaving. Matter of fact, I'm going the opposite direction. Yep. And God's, God didn't say, hey, you better do what I told you to do. No. He said, okay, fine. Fish. Boom. Now you're in Nineveh. Yeah. You, he literally picked up Jonah yeah. and put him where he was supposed it's to be. Like, and right. Jonah did it, but there was never a point where Jonah submitted to God's so will. That same, didn't he had a bad happen. attitude about it. He had a bad it, attitude yeah. the whole time. Expecting Nineveh to burn. Was, he was never submissive to God's will. He got upset when, his, when Nineveh got saved. Like, God, I would, why don't you just <laughs> yeah, let him so go to hell? The same thing happened to Moses, too, when he was standing <clears> at the burning bush. He told God that he wasn't going to go. He needed to shoot somebody else. But God said God still made him go or still right. had him go. <gasps> oh, you just you reminded me. God still had him go. He said, <laughs> okay, I'm making Adam's bit. day today. So he put, he put Aaron in the mix. Why did he put Aaron? Because Moses was being so stubborn about it. Do you think Moses couldn't have done what God asked him to do? Of course he could have done it. He could have done just as good yeah. a job, probably but even a better excuses. job. But he kept on whining and whining and whining about I, it. So I God said, fine, good. take Aaron with you. 
and he did. Yeah. I mean, that so couldn't have been God's will. It wasn't God's way. will. He didn't change his mind about his will. He just said, no, okay, you're still going to do this. You're still going to do it. Here's here, Aaron here, too. I feel like you. the perfect example of this is literally a two-year-old child and that child's dad. <laughs> That's how I see it. I see it as like that parent can tell that child to do something and that child says no. And that parent goes, Okay, we're about to find out what happens when you say no. You know, I, that's that's how well, I see like it. It's like the old timers used to say. You know, they talked about the uh, situation with Jonah, and they talked about the situation with the Canaanites. You know, who had in, who were uh, stubbornly inhabiting the land, and God sent hornets to drive them out. You yes, remember? I and do so, remember um, the story. The old timers used to say, "God will not make you do this against your will, but He will make you willing to go." Mm. And that's what He did with Jonah. That's what he did with the Canaanites. Uh, when those hornets came in, they said, okay. That's true. And when true. God smote Pharaoh's household and the death of the firstborn, Pharaoh said, what? Okay. He said, no, 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 consistently until that happened, and God made him willing to say, okay. And the experience of Jonah being in the whale, I know the whale was also there to bring Jonah to where he was supposed to be, which was in a way forcing him. But Jonah could have, I suppose, you know, hypothetically could have said no, but the experience of being in the whale and whatever happened to him in there, which, you know, God knows what happened to him there. That experience forced him, not forced him, but but made him willing to do what God wanted. Not good. with a good attitude, by the way. Right. With a terrible attitude. Like a child. But yeah, he did. He was it. still mad they got saved. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I, I I think that all of these are perfect examples of of there being aspects of God's interaction with human that is open. Mm-hmm. I am not gonna be as as hard about this. And to be on the ditch, if you will, yeah. with all of these um, health and wealth type peoples, right? Because oh, I believe that there no is way. so yeah. so much of what they believe that is against it's what garbage. the Scripture says. Yeah. But to deny the openness of God, in my mind, is to go against what the Bible teaches. Is to, to to ignore. Sorry, is to, to learn ignore what the Bible it. teaches. Yeah. yeah, you have to be. A, there has to be a middle ground, to, a balance between it. And to be clear, is this health and wealth the belief that like? You have to be wealthy and like very healthy. No, it's it's the belief that like God wants you to be that, and all yeah. you have to do is ask and donate to Creflo. Right, that's the prosperity gospel. Yeah, yeah. It's the name and claim, and is one of the best ways of putting it. It's, it's God's waiting with all these blessings. It's right. just you need to submit to it, and by then, submitting to it, you're just giving your money to make him more wealthy. And, but then there was know. Jesus who didn't have any money at all, and did his three years of ministry. Yes, sir. Yeah. No the foxes have holes, man. No property. The yeah. birds have nests. He, ain't, he doesn't have yeah. nothing. That's exactly. Right. And Jesus wow. did all of that. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. I and really we, enjoyed this discussion. Yeah, man. I'm glad we had it. I did too. I yeah. feel a little attacked, but I'm okay. I'll survive. <laughs> I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put a bandage on. Her Adam's feelings. We still love you, Adam. That's amazing. <laughs> right. This is not the only time we've disagreed, and and I love. He's the, building his case to. You know, excommunicate me. Well, yeah, can, well, no, I'll just take it straight to the pulpit. Is what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> there can be healthy no. disagreement. There can be, yes, and and there are certain things that uh, I don't want to go to know, church. It, um, it incites debate, <laughs> and I'm with um, I'm with a lot of, of of smart people on this, man. I think debate can be good, it, even when it comes to. Yeah, I hate debating politics. Yeah, I hate debating. Oh. Uh, I hate debating, you know, race wars and all these kinds of things because it seems like there's just there's just no winner in that. Um, but when it comes to scripture, if there's anything that we should be able to debate, 
It is the eternal matters of Scripture. We want to get to the bottom of that. And you don't do that by being narrow-minded. You do that by opening yourself up to uh, quality people. You know, I mean, this is why I listen to Chuck Swindoll. This is why I listen to John MacArthur. This is why I listen to Tony Evans. This is why I listen to guys that other people would say, oh, no, they're not of our camp. Uh, Jesus said, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. You know, and so I'm, I'm not going to limit myself to you know, some echo chamber that only the people are only repeating and saying what I want to hear. Right. You know, that's not a that's not helpful. Man, I had somebody attack me one time. Right there, there, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm already starting to think yeah. stuff. Yeah. I had a guy, I had a guy one time. I was debating something with a guy one time, and I said, "So you're telling me if John MacArthur showed up in your town on vacation?" and came walking in your church on Sunday morning on the, during the weekend service, you're telling me you would not give that man an opportunity to speak in your church. Mm. And he said, absolutely not. Wow. And I said, so you would cut off <clears throat> that opportunity because he's not your stripe. Because he's, what is he, I reformed? Would, reformed? I would go to Dr. MacArthur if he came and visited Brandon Baptist Tabernacle. I would say, Dr. MacArthur... Of course, you understand we don't agree with everything you're going to say. But if you would be careful, I would love to have you speak today. And, and, I'm, and I feel like he'd be if, fine with that, too. If he's a Christian gentleman, he would say, I would gladly be willing to, uh, you know, how does a, a, I became all things to all men. You know, mm-hmm. I think he would gladly be willing to do that to, he's, to be an influence on a church. <laughs> this man is starting another podcast right now. Yeah. He's starting a whole Next other time one. on the I'm Church and Scripture podcast. <laughs> studying Scripture and, and with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you'll know when something's not sounding right. Yeah. You'll know when yeah. it's not right. That's exactly right. But that doesn't mean that we have to be in an echo chamber. Right. You know, that doesn't mean we, you know, Brother Sammy Allen used to say something. He used to say, uh, you know, back in the old, old days, in the 1950s, they used to make matches that wouldn't strike unless they were on their own box. You know, little boxes of matches. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. And they made them so that you couldn't strike it unless you struck it on the original box. Hmm. And wow. he was talking about that one day and making the illustration. There's some people that won't strike. They just will not catch fire and will not get going because you're trying to strike it. But because you're striking it against somebody that's not exactly like them or manufactured in the same factory as them, they won't set the fire. That's some communism right there. Communism. <laughs> <laughs> That's some John Deere communism. Okay, I think that's a great way to close this episode right there. We need to talk about free will. Yeah, right. Yes, sir. Oh. Hey, don't forget about the uh, the websites, the pot. You can get us on all the formats and all those different things. And, uh, yeah. Uh, scripture at podcast.com. Email us at info at brandonbaptisttabernacle.com. Right. We got um, YouTube. We yep. got um, Insta Spam. Spotify? We are on Spotify, right? We're on Spotify. Yep. My Face and... All these other uh, what's different. What's my face? I, Adam's I, I, been kicked off on every single one of them. So oh, right. I am in Facebook jail, straight to jail. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so and send us your questions. We yes. like to be we like to be tested and be made to think. So always. So um, yeah. Sounds good. Wow. You know, closes out there, Heavy D. Oh me. Oh, I'm not responding to that. All right, guys. God bless. Have a great day. <laughs>